0: Well, welcome back to Longmont Nazarene Church Online. My name is Dean Claus. Pastor Sid is not here today, so I have the privilege or the honor of filling the pulpit. I know many of you will be listening to this on the day of Pentecost or on Pentecost Sunday, but this is not a Pentecost Sunday message. I won't get into the reason for that, but I did want to let you know that There's a midweek devotional about Pentecost on the church Facebook page if you'd like to find that and read it. Before I start, let's pray. Father, I ask you for the help of your Holy Spirit to bring this message. I pray, Lord, that you would please open our hearts and minds to hear what you say as we consider your word, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, today's scripture is Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. It says, "The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field." Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The title of one of my favorite movies is The Big Year. It is supposed to be a comedy. The leading cast members, Jack Black, Steve Martin, and Owen Wilson, are all comedians or comedy actors. And I have to agree, there's plenty to laugh at in the movie, but in my opinion, it's not really a comedy. The main characters in the movie are birders. As the title indicates, the movie shows us the adventures, follies, and revelations each of them have as they pursue a big year. If you haven't seen the movie, you may be wondering what a birder is. Most people would think of birders as bird watchers, but bird watchers tend to be casual observers of birds. Birders, on the other hand, are serious about pursuing birds. Many of us think they are extreme about it. You might also be wondering what a big year is. In the movie, a big year is defined as a competition among birders to see who can count the most species of birds In North America. I'm kind of stuck in the realm that lies between being a bird watcher and being a birder. I understand enough about birding to know that much of the movie is true to life. That's why, in my opinion, it's not really a comedy. It tries to make what birders do look funny, but it's just what birders do. And those who are serious about a big year have to go to extremes to be competitive. Just in case you're wondering, I will tie this back to the scripture, so stick with me. The three main characters of the movie all decide to try winning the title of the best birder by setting a new world record for counting the most species of birds in a single year. This required traveling all over the continent, north of Mexico, including obscure locations, like the westmost island in the Aleutian chain. They did offshore birding on a boat. In one instance, they even pursued a bird species from a helicopter. They endured sun, rain, and snow. Sometimes storms actually helped them. They gave every possible moment, extreme effort, and used all their wit just to be competitive. By the end of the year, the lives of all three characters changed. Along the way, two of them arrived at the realization that some things are more important than birding. They still loved birding, but they realized they wanted to give themselves to family and other important relationships. The winner, however, sacrificed more for his victory It cost him his marriage and a chance to start a family. The narrator closes the story with this observation. Only he knows the price that he has paid to be the greatest birder in the world. That part always makes me pretty sad. He gave birding all that he had. In the end, all he really got was a title that would eventually be taken by somebody else and some satisfaction that would fade with time. I told you about the big year because it illustrates the truth of so many pursuits. Humans have a tendency to pay a big price for things that in the end aren't important at all. Again, humans have a tendency to pay a big price for things that in the end aren't important at all. And that brings us to the point of today's scripture. Remember the buried treasure and the pearl of great value and how the ones who found those things gave everything for them? The point is, the kingdom of heaven is worth all we have. Again, the kingdom of heaven Is worth all we have. Let's think about that. What do we mean when we say that the kingdom of heaven is worth all we have? Well, first, it is folly to give all we have for temporary earthly pursuits when instead we should give all we have for the everlasting, ever fulfilling kingdom of heaven. Second, the eternal kingdom of God is far more valuable than the earthly treasures we pursue. Let me repeat those two ideas. First, it is folly to give all we have for temporary earthly pursuits when instead we should give all we have for the everlasting, ever fulfilling kingdom of heaven. And second, the eternal kingdom of God is far more valuable than the earthly treasures we pursue. Once there was a wise man, a king. Not only was he wise, but he had the power and resources to do anything he desired. At some point in his life, he wrote about what he accomplished and how he felt about it. Excuse me. Let me read from his writing. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. of their life I made great works I built houses and planted vineyards for myself I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees I bought both I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold. All was vanity and a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. That comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The man who wrote it was Solomon. Using himself as a guinea pig, he tried to discover something that was good for the children of men to do under heaven during the few days of their life. He found nothing. Solomon eventually realized that everything he did would decay or he would grow weary and dissatisfied with things he enjoyed for a time. What are the greatest desires of your life? Is there something you have your heart set on? Is there something so important that you are willing to work, sweat, and sacrifice to achieve it or get it? Are you willing to change your whole life around for something? Our culture tells us to pursue our dreams. We are told to follow our hearts. This philosophy or mindset sounds good. It seems to make sense, but is it right? What did Solomon discover? So many of us, including Christians, give the best years and the greatest energy of our lives to temporary things. Don't do that. Instead, listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. Do not work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Remember our first idea? It is folly to give all we have for temporary earthly pursuits when instead we should give all we have for the everlasting, ever fulfilling kingdom of heaven. Now, some of you might say, Give me a break. I'm not going from one end of the continent to the other to count birds. I'm doing important stuff like building a career and making memories with my children. You might be giving your life to a good cause. You might be trying to create something that gives pleasure to others. But let me ask you this. Does the value of what you're doing compare favorably with the kingdom of God? In today's scripture, the kingdom of heaven was compared to a treasure and a pearl of enormous value. These things were so valuable that the one who found them gave up everything for them and considered it a good deal. Reflect on our second idea again. The eternal kingdom of God is far more valuable than the earthly treasures we pursue. Let me read another of Jesus' parables. This one is found in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. The land of a rich man produced plentifully... And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Anybody who is listening, I want to plead with you. Please think about this. It took me too many years to really understand what I'm trying to say. I have pursued many dreams. Most, of, most were never achieved as fully as I hoped. But in the end, what is a dream compared to a real eternity of bliss in the kingdom of God? I gave over 30 years to a career that seems to have ended with at least as many misgivings as successes. Ultimately, What is forging a career that will end compared to investing in an everlasting relationship with God? I tried to make sure my children had the solid foundation of a good family, a good education, special memories from which to launch their lives. And please don't misunderstand, families are very important. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially the members of his household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. But what do we want to teach our families? Do we want to show them how to give themselves to worldly pursuits which decay? Or do we want to show them how to invest all they have in the kingdom of God? What better thing can we do for our children and our other family members, then introduce them to an infinite, eternal, all-powerful, loving God who suffered and died so they could have a chance to live with him joyfully forever. Careers and dreams are not bad, but they must not take first place. We must give that to God. Jesus himself said, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things, all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That was Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. Many people realize they need God, but I think too often they see him as an addition to their lives. They might go to church on Sundays, the Sundays that they don't have better things to do. They will pray and cry out to him, especially when they need help. They might even proclaim in public that they are Christians. If so, they're off to a good start. But don't forget, the kingdom of heaven is worth all we have. It is not something we add to our lives. It is something that we give our lives to. Christians, we need the fellowship of church and social worship. I know some of you may be first responders or food service workers, or you may have some other profession that makes it very difficult to attend On Sunday morning if that's the case work with your church to find other ways to be involved in Christian fellowship we need to spend time in the scriptures we need to spend time in prayer we need to be involved in Christian service I still pursue dreams and who knows I might have several more careers before God calls me home I will continue to try hard to love and serve my family Mostly, however, I want to give everything I know, everything I have, and all I will ever be to God. How about you? Have you sold all you have to purchase the real treasure? Have you sold everything to hold that beautiful pearl? The greatest treasure and the most beautiful pearl are the kingdom of God. Jesus talks often about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We become citizens of that kingdom when we come into a saving relationship with him. Colossians 1:12 through 14 says, And giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light, now get this part, he has delivered us, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 we see that God has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is where God reigns and we become a part of it in Jesus Christ. To be in a right relationship with Christ is to be in the kingdom of heaven. So what is that worth? Remember what Solomon said? All was vanity, a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Well, Solomon doesn't leave us there. In the conclusion of his book, we find this sentence. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For this is the whole duty of man. Solomon went the long way around. Nevertheless, he finally got it. Whether we are chasing birds or governing nations, I hope we get it too. It is folly to give all we have for temporary earthly pursuits when instead we should give all we have for the everlasting, ever-fulfilling kingdom of heaven. The eternal kingdom of God is far more valuable than the earthly treasures we pursue. The kingdom of heaven is worth all we have. One more time, the kingdom of heaven is worth all we have. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us all to seek first the kingdom of God. Help us to give you our best. Help us to give you what is first. And help us to trust that you will take care of the rest. And Lord, I thank you for everybody that has tuned in and has shared this. Oh, Father, we pray for the strength of heart to be able to obey your word. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Please uh, join us again next week. The benediction for tonight is from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.